here. Hello, everybody. Hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you're all here. Welcome to another Fishmonger live stream. We do this every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time. Um, and I'm glad you're here with us. Thanks for being here. My name's Dan, your friendly fishmonger. I have a website called dansfish.com, which is a store hosted on getgills.com, which will be a little confusing if that's your first time hearing that. But basically, getgills.com is a place where me or you or anybody can create a store to sell aquarium fish or aquarium fish supplies or shrimp, you know, stuff like that. So that's kind of what I do. Uh, that's my day job. And on Wednesday night, I get to come and geek out on fish with all of you guys, chat about fish, discuss things, answer questions, tell you what's going on, what's what I've ordered that's come in, uh, what I'm planning on ordering, any breeding projects, things like that. So that's kind of what we do here. Uh, everything's open as long as it's about aquarium fish stuff, aquarium fish hobby. We can talk about any of that. Um, and if you have a question or a comment for me, if you would make uh, type the at symbol and then start typing dance fish, you'll see an option to uh, select dance fish and then type your comment or question. It'll highlight for me and I'll get right to it. So that's that's kind of how it works uh, here at the, uh, I don't know, Fishmonger live stream. So I'm really excited because I was able to finally, after years, get in a fish that I've always wanted. Um, so let me kind of, let me show you this and talk about this fish. And, uh, and then after that, we'll get to the general questions and comments and, and general discussion. Before we do that though, I just wanna say hi to some folks. I'm very excited that Candy Overholes, the super mod, uh, is uh, here two weeks in a row. The boss is away, so the mods will play. So Candy, welcome, so glad you're here. Um, and I'm sorry I keep missing you. They changed my shipping time. So now my fish come in at 12.30, 1, 1.30 in the afternoon on Mondays. And Monday is my shipping day as well. So I'm just, I'm like working like crazy to get all the fish packed and out. And then to drive up to the airport to get the fish, you know, early afternoon. And it has not given me any, it's been impossible to get up there early to, to meet up or anything like that. I still want to see Treasure Coast Aquariums, the new fish store that opened up in Billings, Montana. I'm hoping we could do that. But um, in fact, I'm thinking of maybe changing my shipping date to Tuesday. We'll have to see. I haven't, it's been insane. This week I, I shipped so many fish. It was almost twice as many fish as, as I've ever shipped out in a week. And so it was insanely busy. Um, luckily I knew it was gonna be crazy busy. So I did not actually order any fish for this Monday. I ordered from a different supplier and they came um, on, uh, when was it? On Friday, I believe it was, or Thursday of last week because I knew there was no way I was going to be able to pack all the fish and drive to Billings, get to the airport and pick up the new fish. So it's just gotten really busy. So I'm trying to figure out that, but one of these days we'll figure it out. And then, uh, and then I'll hopefully be able to see you and Caleb again at some point. Um, Mubby dog first in the house. 
<laughs> Do not log into chat too early, Dan. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Mob Guppy is here. Good to see you, Mob. Good to see you, Real. Um, and everyone else has joined us. So, so here's what I got last week. These fish are through their first part of the quarantine process and have been moved into uh, more permanent aquariums as of uh, some of them just yesterday. But let me show you these. So here's what I ordered. I ordered the world famous chili rasbora. It's a fish that I really like and they were on the list. So I ordered them. Here's what I got. Close. Still a cool fish, but not quite the same. I got, I'm pretty darn sure this is what I got. The exclamation point rasbora. My fish look have colored up and settled in. They look exactly like this little guy here. Um, so I am pretty confident that I did not in fact get the chili rasbora. Um, I have exclamation point rasbora. So not much I can do in that case. Um, and I thought for sure that they'd be the right fish. This wholesaler that I used for, for this particular shipment uh, almost always sends the right fish because it's a wholesaler as opposed to a, a transshipper or an exporter. Uh, transshippers and exporters tend to uh, be very loosey-goosey with the fish they send. If they're out of something, they'll sometimes just throw something completely different in just to be able to ship the box to you. And they all use these random common names that they're making up all the time. And you might have 10 suppliers that export this fish and all 10 of them call them something different. <laughs> and so it's a big mess. But but I thought for sure that they'd be the chili rasboras, but I think they're exclamation points. Um, but whatever, that's okay. Still a cool fish. And then here's the fish that's been on my, my bucket list for a long time. And I finally got them. These are the samurai garamis. And I am thrilled to say that I have 25 of them. And I've been wanting these ever since I saw pictures of them in, in a book when I was, I don't remember how long ago, but it's been a long time. Um, this is the female's coloration in a couple of them. Here, here's a good photo for comparison. And a couple of them have started coloring up. Um, and here's the male coloration. So in this species, it's a little different than, than you would expect. Um, normally in nature, not all the time by any means, but generally, normally, it's the male that has the bright colors and in, in, uh, wants to, you know, get the female to breed with him, whether it's a, a fish or, or almost any animal, right? And so often it's the males that have all the bright colors. In this fish, it's different. These are um, similar to wild-type bettas in that it's the female that gets... Well, males get color in wild-type bettas, but it's the female that induces the spawning, and the male actually carries the eggs. In fact, let me see if I can find a picture of a male with his buccal cavity. Um, I don't know. You can kind of see it here, but the male has kind of a pouch under his throat to let him carry the eggs. Holy cow, I got 100 bucks. I guess I better pause for that. Let's see what happened there. Mile high pluckos with 100 bucks. Hi, Dan, is the comment. Well, hey, Mikey. Glad you're here. Um, good to see you. And I hope those fish have colored up for you. Um, but thanks, man. $100 super chat. Nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> at all. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. Um, 
full disclosure, I uh, I sent Mikey some fish, and he tried to pay me for them. I wouldn't let him. I guess he paid me for them anyway. So you win, Mikey. <laughs> we'll call that paid for. Um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I wondered if that would happen. <laughs> so not to be outdone, Bob Kaler <laughs> with the $101 super chat going for the uh, informal address of Hey Dan. So we've got Hi Dan and Hey Dan. Hey Bob, glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks guys. That's awesome. Here's, um, I'm seeing a picture right now of the male, this one. So this is a good picture of a male with the buccal cavity. Uh, distended, full of eggs. Um, but again, you know, fairly plain colors compared to the female, which is really unusual for the animal kingdom. Um, in this case, it's again, the male that carries the eggs. And so I suppose it's the, uh, since he's going to do all the work of carrying the eggs, she has to convince him to spawn with her, just like wild type bettas. Whereas the chocolate... <laughs> <laughs> My wife is going to be so happy tonight. You guys have no idea how happy you're making my wife right now. Mile high, $102 super chat <laughs> with a, a subtle challenge to Bob, I think. It says, hello, Bob. I wonder what tone that is. I wonder if that's like, hello, Bob, or if it's like, hello, Bob, or if it was like, well, hello, Bob. I don't know, but thanks so much, Mikey, for that. That's awesome. Um, so anyway, wild type bettas, it's the same kind of deal. But the chocolate garamis, which are very closely related to the um, to the samurai garamis, it's the uh, it's the female, I believe, that mouth broods those. So it's really interesting how in that same family, in fact, some really closely related species, how they've adapted different techniques for mouth brooding and it makes me kind of wonder how that developed like how they came to get that behavior and um how it was decided which sex would carry the eggs <laughs> i just saw it oh man <sighs> wow guys um 103 super chat from bob not to be outdone um What's up, Mikey? Exclamation point, question mark. I love it when you gents get into it like this. I have to say, this is great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I think Mile High's out for blood. $104 super chat. I say hello like Dr. Evil with my pinky to my face. Is it an evil hello? <laughs> By the way, I met Seth Green, um, who is Dr. Evil's son, and he's, he's a really cool cat. I've, I've met him a few times. He was a client when I worked at an animal hospital in Los Angeles, and really down to earth, uh, no ego, no nothing. He was, just wanted to help his animal, and I, I can't remember if it was a dog or a cat. I feel a little shamed about that right now, but... Um, I've met Dr. Evil's son, never met Mike Myers, but Seth Green, I've had the privilege of spending some time with that dude. Just a fun side note. Um, so anyway, the samurai, 
Oh my gosh. So I thought it was over. Um, Bob Kaler throwing down 105 bucks and saying, oh wow, that's cool, Mile High. Wonder what voice Bob's doing. I picture Bob doing like uh, the Duke, right? John Wayne, a John Wayne voice, which I don't feel like I can just pull out of my hat right now and do. So I'm not going to try. I just, I just butcher that, but some kind of like real tough cowboy, uh, voice. That's what I, that's what I'm feeling right now from Bob Kaler's super chat. <laughs> um, thanks again, Bob. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Just thanks so much guys. Um, so, Oh, where was I? Hang on. Oh, the Samurai Garami. So they, the first week, everyone's fine. Um, they went through medicine and some of the females even started to color up. Some of the males were distending their buccal cavity, almost like a, a spawning display thing that was going on. Um, yesterday, I moved them to their new tank. They're still doing well, but it's a brand new tank. So they've kind of like lost their color a little bit and they're still settling in. And I did notice today that one of the fish, their fins are pinched up. So I'm a little nervous about them. Um, I'm just going to observe them. I, I put in some ICX, which can often help because sometimes that's from an external parasite type thing going on. Um, so I'm really hopeful that it's just, sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's just stress. And here's my theory on it. My theory is that it has to go back to osmotic pressure for me that when a fish is stressed, it clamps its fins because then there's less surface area. Um, this is my theory. I don't know if it's true for water to be trying to like penetrate. So when I see that, I know the fish is stressed. Sometimes it's external parasites because those um, bore holes into the fish that water can enter easily but I didn't observe any parasites or anything. So I'm not quite sure what's going in, going on there. I put in some ICX just for, just to be safe. Uh, tomorrow I'll do some uh, Metro and Prozzi just cause they're at that point of the, of the uh, quarantine process anyway, that I would be doing that. But um, I'll know tomorrow if more clamped up that there's a real problem, hopefully there aren't, hopefully they pull through because again, that's a fish that I've been wanting for forever 65 watching well hey everybody welcome welcome to the uh bob versus mile high plecos uh throwdown <laughs> dr evil versus john wayne that we got going on here uh bob and, and mikey thanks so much really really sincerely thank you thank you thank you it's so helpful always appreciated never required i'll get to your questions and comments uh whether you super chat or not but every super chat helps so much. So it's always appreciated. Um, so thank you. So anyway, that's where we're at with the samurai garamis. The exclamation point, Rasboras, all the Baroris species, when they first come in, they're shaky. Um, and you always end up losing a few right at the top, just because I'm not sure why. They're such a small fish. They go through a lot. Uh, they're almost always really skinny, like they haven't been fed properly during the process of getting from collection to our tanks. Um, but so that did happen. There were a few losses, not a lot, but 
they've been totally stable for quite a while now. They're, 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 they've gained a lot of weight, their colors coming in, their behavior is normal. So uh, they're, they're going to be just fine. So that's where we're at with, uh, with what we got in. Now, I'll let you know next week if this happens or not. But what I'm trying to do for this coming shipment is get a bunch of wild type bettas in. Uh, there'll be, I think, five species of wild type bettas, um, along with a licorice garami and some stuff like that. So that's what I'm that's what I'm working towards uh, right now. So we'll see. Um, something else I want to bring to everyone's attention because I think it's pretty cool and some people have been waiting for a long time for this is that um, finally I got the strain set on the Santa Maria's. I sent um, them out to the people that I owed them to and there's six pairs left. So some people have been waiting a long time for these. So I just want to call your attention to it. I do have some Santa Maria uh, endlers available at getgills.com. Just six pairs to start. There'll be more that become available as they grow up and sex out, but they're still growing out right now. Um, and sorry about the fuzzy picture. It's the best I could do at the moment. Um, I'll eventually get them in the photo tank and get a really nice picture, but I, that, that just wasn't going to happen today. So I just want to throw that out there. So that's what's going on with me um, and with dancefish.com and, and with getgills.com. Um, by the way, Jonathan, uh, who's my partner at getgills.com and the mastermind, uh, software engineer, programmer, all that, um, he's working really hard right now. Uh, we're trying to improve things to make it easier for sellers to offer free shipping on GetGills so that it can be um, a thing where you can, if you say, if someone orders a minimum of 100 bucks, then they get shipping for free. And right now that functionality is there, but it is conflicting with some other groups and not working quite right. So he's, he's cleaning that all up and he's really close to getting that working as smoothly as we want it. So thank you, Jonathan. Um, I think that'll be a cool feature once it's, once it's up and running. All right. I'm going to start looking at chat now and any questions or comments, I'll, I'll respond to those and go through this. 72 watching. Hey, y'all. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. If you missed the throwdown between uh, Bob Kaler or Kaler's Aquatics and uh, Mile High Plecos, after this is all done, it's, it's worth a replay. Those two gents, wow, they're, they're, they made my wife extraordinarily happy. I can tell you that. That's for sure. And, and thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm going to start looking for questions and comments. So if you have a question or comment about anything aquarium related, um, I can dig into breeding a lot of species, like keeping a lot of species, building a fish room. I've, I've built, I think, six fish rooms now, and I finally got it where I want it. I like finally know what I'm doing so I can be somewhat useful. Um, shipping fish, I, I know how to do that. So I can, I can help in quite a few areas or any other kind of general thing. For me to see it, please make it at Dan's Fish. I'll jump right to it and let's go. Let's see what we got here. All right. Candy Overhaul says, oh, the pressure Dan must feel now. You must beat a full house. <laughs> That's in response to Lumpy Dog. This better be good. I was kicking rear in the online poker, but stopped to join this live stream. All right. All right. I'll try to try to royal flush this one for you. Um, Glenn Norton. Hey, Dan. 
from the Jersey Shore. Well, hey, Glenn, glad you're here. Good to see you again. Um, always glad to see you and your comments and stuff. Tech Turtle, well, hello. Glad you made it. Oh, by the way, Tech Turtle is reminding me um, because Tech Turtle really wanted me to release my information on how I acclimate puffers and get them from like wild, collected, and skinny and full of bacteria and parasites to like healthy and, and stuff. And I did that for her. Uh, I think it's a her for Tech Turtle. We'll, we'll just say Tech Turtle. Then it's a guy or a girl, right? Um, but that got me thinking about another video. So for those that have puffers, it can be a challenge to keep their beaks worn down. Uh, and so I have a, a way to do that. I'm going to release that video tomorrow. Basically, I, I make a food that is like an artificial mollusk. So it has a bunch of shell in it. And as the plecos eat it, um, it wears down their shell. So I have really soft water. My, my snails that I grow for my um, plecos, puffers. The snails that I grow for my puffers, I mean, I can take a, a snail and with no effort crush its shell. It's just, there's not enough calcium in my water for them to have a robust shell. So even when I feed them to my puffers, it doesn't do much to wear down their teeth. So I have to make this artificial, artificial snail food it has a nice tough shell for the fish to eat. And uh, that video comes out tomorrow for those that um, are interested in that. Tech Turtle, uh, seeing, seeing Tech Turtle there reminded me of that. Thanks, Lumpy Dog and Bob, for linking stuff. Um, hey, Reels, good to see you. Glad you're here. Dancely, those are neat, even if not chilies. Yeah, the exclamation points are cool. They're still a pretty little fish. Um, I can't tell you how difficult it can be to get true chili rasboras. Like I, this is probably the third time when I've ordered something that was going to be a chili rasbora <laughs> and it's not, <laughs> but yeah, they're here, they're healthy, they're doing well. So I'm glad I'm, I'm happy with them. HC Aqua. Good to see you. Glad you made it. Steven Innes. Hey Dan, first time in chat. Hey, well, welcome, but long time lurker. Interested in breeding endlers, when you say you have to cross an endler guppy hybrid back to an endler, what does that entail? Okay, so for me, that was, I usually don't do that. I usually don't take a fish that's an uh, endler, cross it to a guppy or anything like that. But here's what happened. I've really wanted Santa Maria endlers for a long time. The problem is I couldn't get a line going because it was really hard to find females and it was really hard to find a strain that bred true. So what I ended up doing is I found a group of males that looked good and I got them. And I didn't have any other Santa Maria females available at all. The only thing I had was Tequila Sunrise Guppies. And those colors really complement the uh, Santa Maria Endler. So what I did was I crossed those Santa Maria Endler males with Tequila Sunrise Guppies. And before anyone says like, no, before the hybrid alarms go off, Santa Maria Endlers are already a hybrid. They're a, they're a class of Endler that is known to have been developed as a cross with the guppy. So I didn't have any qualms with crossing it to a guppy again and then back crossing. So I had a bunch of female Tequila Sunrise Guppies, a bunch of male Endlers. So I bred them together. And then what I did is... Um, I put those male endlers in separate aquariums. The first group of offspring I got 
I divided the females out and put a few with each male. The second group of females I got, I took all the females out of that and rotated them to the next male. And so that way, um, I'm crossing back to the Santa Maria Endler line to fix the line so I can get, yes, I have to cross to a guppy, but then I cross back for several generations. Um, that started in December of 2017. Um, every 28 days or so, there's a drop of fry. So that tells you how many generations it's been uh, that I've gone through. But I did that just because I didn't have, I couldn't get female uh, Santa Maria Endlers. I had tequila sunrise guppies uh, that were awesome. And so I decided to use that as my root stock. So that's, that's how that works. So you want to cross back to Santa Maria's frequently, but, but if possible, you don't want to keep breeding father to daughter, father to daughter, father to daughter. So I would breed um, father to niece, then the next generation, um, uncle to niece, and kind of rotate them through. So I got the genetics locked in, but, um, but it wasn't quite as inbred as father to daughter repeatedly. Now, that being said, there are strains of libraries out there that have been going for decades, going strong, that are all um, brother, sister, father, daughter, mother, son crosses. So you can do that. I just prefer not to. So after doing that a bunch, I finally got the line set. So that's Steve, Stephen Innes. That's what, that's what it entails for me is crossing out and then wrapping back in to reestablish the traits you want. Um, if you need to follow up on that, let me know if, if, if that was uh, insufficient or didn't answer your question, or if you have a new question based on that answer, let me know and I can talk about it some more. 82 watching. Hey, that's awesome. Thanks for being here, everybody. That's great for this little channel, the little channel that could. Tech Turtle, do you ever sell green spotted puffers? I don't because I don't deal with brackish water. So figure eight puffers, green spotted puffers, all those. Um, I only deal with freshwater puffers and almost always peaceful freshwater puffers. So puffers that I can keep several in a tank together and not have to worry about them, you know, killing each other or tearing each other to shreds. So that means Amazon puffers, um, Congo puffers, and maybe pea puffers. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I, I deal with mostly. So my system is an automatic water change system. Um, about a, 25% to 33% of the water is changed every night, or that much new water comes in every night. Uh, the amount that's actually changed is, is a little less because it mixes with the old water, right? Um, and so I, I can't have an automatic water change system and keep brackish water in this facility I have. I could rig one up that would take that water, throw it in a big container, dose it, automatically doses the salt and other chemicals to get it to brackish, circulates for a night, and then automatically changes. But I'm, I'm not even close to that in this facility. So this is just a freshwater facility for uh, auto water changes, freshwater style. So that's why I haven't done green spotteds. Now I've worked in plenty of pet stores and wholesale places and online uh, fish store, I don't know, suppliers that where we have kept um, green spotted puffers. In fact, there was one place I worked that had super, super hard water and that was great for them. Um, but I, I've never kept them in my personal care just because 
I've never wanted to deal with brackish water. I'm too lazy to mix salt <laughs> and to a specific gravity and all that continually and, and do all that. Um, Kelly's Aquatics is nice fish. Cool. I think we're talking about the samurai gouramis at that time. All right. Just got through the super chat war. Thanks again, gents. Kelly's Aquatics. The Kathy Bates fried green tomatoes voice. Oh, that's the voice he's doing. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so not going to go for that voice, Bob. <laughs> I know what you're doing there. <laughs> I'm not going to go for that one. I could do it, but I'd have to work up to it. Love you, dog. This live stream isn't going so well. Maybe we should cut it short. <laughs> yeah, back to the poker, huh? Yeah, I know. No one's watching. Only 81. This stream usually has a lot less than that. So 81 for us is fantastic. I'm glad you're all here. All of you that are here that aren't normally here live, thanks for being here. It's good to have you. Dolly Vigil. Hi, and hello to all the mods and everyone. Well, hello, Dolly. Welcome. And so, Dolly, I still have those female uh, thread fins for you. I have some that I could probably ship, but here's my concern with them. They came in really skinny. Several of them have fattened up, but there's a few in there that haven't gained any weight. So my fear is that maybe there's a parasite in there because I'm feeding everyone the same. And so I don't want to send you a female that looks really healthy if there's other fish in the tank that don't and risk sending you a parasite. So I'm trying some different medicines and trying to uh, get those females that haven't recovered any weight kind of back gaining weight. Once I see them doing that, then I'll know that the batch is ready to ship. So I'm sorry, it's gonna be a little bit longer. Um, tried a different medicine this morning. I'll try a few rounds of it and see if I notice an improvement. If not, I'll switch to a new one. I mean, I wish I had a fish vet around the corner and could just get a good diagnosis and get right on it. But I'm like everyone else, it's, it's a shotgun approach, trial and error approach, a lot of it. 77, oh well, we were, we were riding high in the 80s for a little while. Um, Wichita Falls fish keeper. Are the Grammys near spawning size? Yes, they're at spawning size right now. Uh, that's a fish that gets um, oh, two and a half inches maybe. And they're just about there. So yes, they're, they're not full grown yet, but they're definitely sexually mature. That being said, um, until they color up again, it's so it's gonna be hard for me to sex those fish. Let me just say that there's a slight difference in the jaw, but I don't trust myself to, to pick it out. The females, when they color, I'll know that those are females, but I won't know for sure if something that looks like a male is in fact a male or is just a female that isn't colored. Um, because I'm not, that, that difference in the jaw is so subtle that I don't trust myself to 100% be able to see it. So they, they are spawning size though. So my suggestion would be if, if anyone's interested in those, then when they, when they become available another week or so, if things go well, that, uh, that if spawning is your goal, it's probably going to take a group and to do that, to get the sex ratio you need. Um, Gaylor's Aquatics, thanks for the awesome Betarubra females. Hey, you're welcome. I'm glad they arrived. I watched your unboxing today, as you know. Anyone that didn't see it, Bob did an unboxing today of some Betarubra that I sent him. So uh, you can check it out. I like Bob's unboxings. They kind of 
they're stress-free. They kind of meander. You get to see some cool stuff in his aquariums, come back to the fish, release them, see some stuff. It's usually done in, not always, but kind of a live stream type format. So there's some chatting and stuff. I don't know. I think it's fun. G. Cunningham, do you have a preferred method for incubating eggs in water? <clears throat> yes, but it totally depends on the species. So for fish like um, killifish, rainbow fish, Corydoras, fish that lay kind of tough eggs that you can kind of collect without damaging them and transfer to a new container. Um, what I'll usually do is I'll take those, take them out of the mop, or if they're Corydoras, scrape them off the glass or wherever they laid them. Put them in a container of water that probably holds, I'm going to say, two cups of water or so, roughly, maybe a little more. Put them in there. Um, put some hydrogen peroxide in there. And the key is to change that water frequently. So the water I put in there, it's aged tap water that the chlorine has been removed and that tap water has been bubbling for a while. So it's gassed off. So any absorbed nitrogen or any uh, pH buffers, things like that, that have been put in that water are, have kind of stabilized. So the water isn't gonna change parameters a bunch on those eggs. So that's what I use. It's, it's the same water I would refill my aquariums with. Um, it's been aged though and, and gassed off. So the key for me has been to change that water frequently. So I'll do a water change on that container, 100% water change pretty much, as much as I can pour out without pouring the eggs out. Um, I'll do that morning and night and sometimes lunchtime. Each time I put new water in that container, I'll put some more hydrogen peroxide in. in about two to three milliliters of hydrogen peroxide per gallon. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think is the amount I use. Let me check that for you. I would hate to um, give you an amount that's totally wrong and would damage your, <laughs> your stuff. So uh, fish med, I've got a dosing sheet here. Let me bring it up so I can tell you for sure. In fact, I'll just share you this with you guys. This is uh, my dosing sheet. So this is more or less the dosages that I use to treat fish. Now there's some wiggle room in here and just take this as a starting point. Do your own research. I'm not a veterinarian. I'm, I'm uncomfortable saying do this and it'll be fine because I don't have the degrees and the qualifications to do that. But this is what I do. So hydrogen peroxide, yes. It's uh, two milliliters per gallon for an egg bath. And that works well for me. Now, sometimes I'll go higher. If it's a species and I'm trying it and I keep getting fungus eggs, sometimes I'll, I'll go up higher and higher and higher and get to a point where it is effective. But that's always my starting point. So you can sometimes do quite a bit more depending on the species and how tough the membrane is and how, how much it protects the embryo from the peroxide and things like that. So um, you kind of have to find that point with each species, but two um, milliliters per gallon tends to work well for me in changing the water frequently. That's key. Now, if it's a different fish, if it's say uh, angelfish, then I breed those on PVC pipes that I lay in the tank, kind of like people use slate, but I just use a PVC pipe. And I'll remove that, I'll put it in a container, a two gallon container of water um, with the hydrogen peroxide. 
and with an air stone about an inch or two above the eggs so that fresh water is flowing over the eggs, but the bubbles aren't hitting the eggs and dislodging them. So there's, there's current, but not turbulence, I guess is what I'm going for around those eggs might be the way to put it. Um, and I use hydrogen peroxide again. Now you can use methylene blue if you want. It's tried and true and lots of folks use it. I just don't use it because it stains everything blue and, and it can make a mess if there's a spill or anything like that. But it's perfectly good as well. So that's, that's a little bit on incubating eggs in water. Um, I, I also have uh, egg tumblers and I'll use those for certain species. Um, those work really well for like a peacock gudgeon. You can take the piece of pipe that they lay their eggs in, put it in the egg tumbler uh, vertically so that the water's flowing through it. And that works really well for peacock gudgeon eggs. So there's, there's lots of ways to do it. Um, yeah, but th that's a place to start, I guess. 79 watching. All right. We're almost back to 80, almost back. So if you haven't done so, and you feel so inclined, uh, this might be a good time to share, uh, like hit notification bells, sub all that stuff. But, uh, Sharing would be great. If we can get more people in, that'd be awesome. Although 79, 78 now, um, I'm not complaining. That's not bad for this uh, little channel. Dolly Vigil, maybe you can make it to Aquashell. And now, oh man, I wish, I wish. <laughs> I'm so far from taking a trip for pleasure right now. Um, I wish, yeah. Nope, we're, we're, in, we're in that startup mode right now, that grind, uh, long days, doing it all yourself. Margins are fairly low at the moment, things like that. But we're in that, we're in that point pipe <laughs> that I can't even talk that point of things. 80, we did it. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, no, that that's all survival money at the, at this point, at some point, the business will have grown to the large enough and be steady enough month to month that I don't have to worry about okay, we made it this month, but what about next month? You know, um, and once that happens, then, then we'll be able to do stuff like that. But we're a little ways from that. Um, but I do hope everyone has fun at Aquashella. It seems like an awesome e event. Just a reminder for all the newbies, if you have a question or comment and you want me to respond to it, if you, uh, type the at symbol and then without a space or anything, start typing, Dan's fish, select that. It'll highlight for me and I'll read your question. So if I'm not reading your question or comment or responding, it's not because I'm meaning to skip it. It's just because it's not highlighting for me. If you keep trying and keep getting ignored, uh, if you bring uh, a mod's attention to the matter, they'll, they'll get a hold of me. Um, there are some devices, phones and stuff that the highlight function just doesn't work on. So we want to get to everyone. Uh, help us help you. FishTube, five bucks. Hey, thank you. Have you ever tried salting your eggs? Sorry if I missed it. I just got the notification 36 minutes in. Well, welcome. Actually, you're tardy. Go to the principal's office. <laughs> no, welcome. Glad you're here. Thanks for the super chat. Um, I've never tried salting my eggs. No, I haven't. That being said, um, when, when I bred killifish, lots of killifish, 
I would almost always keep salt in the tanks with the killifish because it would just help with things like velvet and stuff like that. And so back then when I did the water changes, I would usually use water from the parents aquarium to change the water. So I guess in a way I did salt the eggs. Um, what I found since then though, is I get more consistency if I just use that fresh water all the time. Because if there's an ammonia spike or something or the parameters are off in the parent's aquarium and I don't know it because I'm not checking the water each time I change the water on the eggs, right? Um, then I can have a problem. So, but if that's, if that's what you're doing and that's, that's an okay method. I mean, I, I got lots of babies from it. Um, then uh, that works fine. I'm not trying to discourage anyone from using that method, but so I guess in a roundabout way, I have salted eggs. 91 watching. Hey, that's awesome. Thanks for the, uh, we're so close to a hundred. Oh man. Oh, that's close. Um, thanks for sharing everyone. Thanks for getting the folks in. Welcome for those that just joined us. Uh, you missed the epic super chat battle between Mile High Plecos and Taylor's Aquatics, but uh, but it's still going to be fun. We're still going to have a fun time. Two bucks from Agnostics. See, I got it. I was like, UG Gnostics. Agnostics. <laughs> So we aren't going to get too deep into politics or religion, but welcome agnostics. Glad you're here. Oh, and there's, I just saw, hang on. Let me make sure that I'm not missing anyone. Okay. I, I chat skipped on me. I'm scrolling back up to find all this stuff I missed. And here it is. Uh, the first one highlighted is Dan Slee. Hey Dan, good to see you. By the way, Dan, um, Another one of those pygmy quarries went down. I'm down to like two. I'm not comfortable distributing them. They're, they're just going to stay in that tank and hopefully the two will make it and have a long life. But my feeling is that there's something that they have that, that is not treatable because no matter what I do, just every week or two, another one goes down and I'd hate to send them to you and, uh, and have them have something that would wipe out your tank. So unfortunately, uh, I mean, we've known for a while that that batch has had problems, but unfortunately I'm not gonna be able to send them to you. But Dan Slee asks, mind sharing what your TDS GHKH are for your water there if you know it? Well, yeah, let's let's show you. Um, what I'm gonna do is, I'm, well, it won't show up. I was gonna like, I can do it live right now. But basically, let me look at this, uh, KH, is 20 to 40. Um, what else did you want to know? TDS. Um, I, I really don't pay attention to TDS, honestly, uh, just because it's to me, it's a fairly meaningless measurement. It's anything in the water that isn't water, pretty much any solid that's in the water, fish food, fish poop, salts, calcium, magnesium, potassium. So I don't actually test for TDS. Um, GH is maybe somewhere around 25. Carbonate hardness is two grains, um, which I think meshes with what I'm saying for, for this KH here. What else did you want to know? Um, yep. And, and right now, 
it's it's a little bit acidic. It just depends on the time of year. Sometimes it's a little above 7.0, sometimes it's a little bit below. So now I want to stress this though. Um, you don't have to match parameters. And I'm not saying this to you, Dan Slee. I know that I know you know this, but um, if you're getting fish from me, please don't feel like you have to soften your water or try to match my parameters. Uh, that'll eventually just lead to problems down the road. Um, I mean, if you have a RO unit, DI unit, and you can totally do that and you want to do that, great. But for most of us, it's not, it's not practical. Also, fish going from my soft water, if you have soft water, great. They're going from soft water to soft water. If you have hard water, great. Fish take the adjustment from soft water to hard water very easily. In fact, going from soft water to hard water often helps the fish uh, acclimate. It helps with the osmotic regulation and things like that. So uh, there you go, Dan Slee. Hope that answered all your questions. Except TDS, I, I just don't know it. Um, Jeff Chambers, agnostics, make sure you, and he, so he can answer. Oh, okay. So agnostics um, is trying to ask something. There it is. Uh, I'll get you in just a second, agnostics. I see it down there, but there's a couple of folks ahead of you. Uh, Jeff, thanks for helping Agnostics out with how to make the comment highlight. 88 watching. All right. I'll be happy with that. Hundreds not in the cards tonight. Small fry aquarium fish. Uh, the at Bob at mile distracted me enough that I did a 95% water change <laughs> on my take. I've called you all bad names. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Craig, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. Yeah. Be honest, Craig. That was going to happen whether you were watching us or not. Right, man? <laughs> How many of us have it? My worst was, um, was a flood in this room here before I built this room, when I had the old fish room down here, before I kind of expanded and put in the nice floor and all that. I think I got up to like two, three inches in the entire room. Like there was a lot of water in here. Thankfully, I have a floor drain, so it's fairly easy to, to clean up, uh, clear the drain and, and get it out. But yeah, I know what it's like to, to flood things. There was a portion of the room down here, though, the basement at the time that had a carpet. So it was a mess. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> um, Steve Innes. Did you know that there is an amazing fish author with your same last name? Let's see if I can bring one up. up. Um, William T. Ennis. He wrote this book. And you might be like, yeah, dude, that's my grandpa. I don't know. But um, this was one of the first books I ever read. Um, when I first got into fish, it was in my local county library back in the early nineties when I got into fish. And the big selling point of these things was that there would be like six pages with color photographs. And that was like amazing because color photographs were so expensive back then. But anyway, reading your name just brought back memories. <clears throat> Thank you so much for the info. It will be great help when I have some Japanese blue endlers with a bottom sore tail that I want to develop. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and I hope it goes well for you. It's be ready for a long haul to, to set a strain and improve it. You're looking at a lot of work, 
a lot of time, but uh, it's so worth it. And it's not like it's not fun along the way. I mean, it's work, right? <laughs> Agnostics. I got a bold, I got, I think you're saying a hold of a bunch of tiger endler males, none related. Okay. I can't get females, so I'm breeding them with guppies. Okay. If I keep pulling females, allowing them to breed with the offspring, will, uh-oh, that was the end. Hang on, I'm looking agnostics to see if I can find the rest of your question. Okay, I have tiger, tiger endler males, female guppies. I'm trying to breed out guppy blood through generational breeding. Is this a reasonable effort? Yeah, I mean, I, that's exactly what I did with my Santa Maria's. It's just going to take a lot of time. And what you're going to have to do is each generation of fry, you're going to have to remove those females um, ideally before they breed with their siblings so that you can cross back to the pure endlers or pureish endlers. A lot of endlers are hybrids um, and get that strain set where, where it gets difficult is if the females get bred by a, a different male before you get to them. And then you've got that problem. Although if that happens, here's a trick. Take those females, put them in a, another aquarium with no males, let them drop their babies. As soon as they've dropped their babies, put them back in with the male. Uh, a female is very receptive to a male right after she has dropped her babies. So that might be a way to, um, or even better, now that I think about it, put her in with the male endler, let her drop her babies, the male can breed with her. You don't have to stress her by moving her again. Um, and then remove those fry because those aren't going to be pure probably. And then just keep doing that until the, uh, the babies start growing up to look like what you want. Once that happens, you're on the way, but it's going to take some more work before the vast majority of them start looking like what you want and they start breeding out true. You'll know you've made it when you finally take um, the offspring, breed them together, and the babies are pretty much what you want without having them cross back to the original parents. I hope that makes sense. Uh, but yes, you can totally do it, agnostics. Um, Skipper's Aquariums, what's up? I just showed up. I was doing water changes. You and Craig both. Did you flood? <laughs> Glad you made it, Skippers. Welcome. Okay. Um, Guppy Granny. Hey, great to see you. Welcome. Hi, I've never heard of that fish. I think we're probably talking about the samurai gouramis. I uh, don't know for sure, but glad to uh, bring a new fish to your attention. Kaylee's Aquatics. Thanks for the kind shout out. Oh, yeah, always. Always. Totally worth it. All right. I just passed agnostic super chat of two bucks for those wondering how far behind I am in the chat. And by the way, I do this on purpose. I'm, I'm not one of those live streamers that tries to keep up with the chat and respond as they come in. What I'm trying to do is, is give uh, hope in depth and hopefully entertaining uh, answers to questions and comments uh, that are beyond like a yes or a no. Um, I like both styles, but that's just me. I want to dig in a little bit. Cichlid Dude. Hey, welcome. 
Why do you not sell plants? That's where the steady money is in online sales. Yeah, um, maybe one day I'll do that. I, I guess the reason is, is that I'm just personally not that into plants. Not that I don't like them. I have a few plants and almost every tank I have has plants in it, but it's pretty much water sprite and uh, java moss in some of the tanks. And I do that just because I find that plants benefit fish, but I don't want to like worry about plants and have hard to keep plants or anything like that. So I'm just not a plant guy. So it's not where my interest lies. And I guess that's why. And what I found over the years is that if I'm doing something that I'm not that interested in, then I'm invariably over time going to neglect it. And so uh, I, I know myself and I tend to just bring stuff in that I'm passionate about and really interested in because then there's no way I'm not going to do everything in my power to, uh, to try to give it the absolute best care and make it successful. And I'm just not that into plants. So I guess that's, that's the honest answer, Cichlid dude. I'm just not that into them. I think they're cool, but given a tank that I could put fish in or, or plants in, I, I would do fish. So I keep plants for fish, but not plants for plants sake. Edgar. Okay. Stetchenfinger? Edgar Stetchenfinger. Maybe. Sorry if I totally butchered that. I've been thinking about ordering an Amazon puffer. Cool. My LFS has them, but don't take care of their teeth. Yeah. Or their parasites or their, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying they don't, but in general, just be really careful or be prepared to do quite a bit of work yourself. How well would they adapt from your soft water to my hard water? Super well. Fish go from soft water to hard water very easily. It's the reverse that is hard on fish. And that's due to osmotic pressure. Um, there's lots of information there about it. I went into depth on osmotic pressure last live stream or the one before. Um, so I'm not going to go into depth on it this time because I don't want people to get bored if I just repeat over and over. But basically, fish have to work really hard to keep their blood, their body salty. That Fish that live in fresh water. Fresh water is always trying to force its way into their body. And then you get bloat and all kinds of problems. So if you take a fish from, from hard water and put it in fresh water, it has to work a lot harder to overcome the osmotic pressure difference than it's used to. If you take a fish from soft water and put it in hard water, it's actually like easier for the fish. And this is one reason that we put salts and things in our water when we're landing fish, getting new fish in, importing fish, because it actually helps them. So I think that a soft water fish going to hard water is actually kind of ideal. So it's not just that it might be okay, it's that it's actually gonna help that fish to be okay in every case I can think of. And I'm, I'm thinking black water species, I'm thinking um, really delicate, acidic, soft water fish. Um, almost always I feel like they're gonna be a better going from soft to hard than soft to soft even. That being said, this doesn't, I mean, Amazon puffers are pretty darn hardy, but the, as long as the water is clean and you don't have ammonia nitrite in, in hard alkaline water, 
ammonia is very toxic um, and you get all kinds of problems. In, in acidic water, ammonia is less toxic. So you have to keep it cleaner, not cleaner, you have to be sure that it's clean in, in harder alkaline water. But um, as long as that happens, it's actually going to help the fish in my opinion. Dan Slee, no worries. Something's been going on with the imported pygmies recently, seems like. Thank you for the update. Yeah, I tell you, that whole, yeah, that entire group from pretty much the get-go. Often fish come in and they'll be sometimes, especially really small species, be shaky at first. You'll have a few losses or just be like, ooh, those don't look good. And um, then they recover. So you don't always have losses, but sometimes you do. These just never got to the point that that they recovered completely and i'm not quite sure why it seemed like they did they acted healthy but then randomly there would be a dead one so obviously something was wrong and i have no idea what it was dan let me dog i changed my sword tail feeding a several okay i changed my sword tail feeding several weeks ago to include a lot more veggies cool they appear to be growing much faster your thoughts on this um yeah sword tails need veggies in the wild they eat lots of algae. They eat a lot of detritus. If you pay attention to swordtails, platys, guppies, uh, limias, those kinds of fish, you'll see them grazing, right? So their mouth isn't adapted to like be a predator. They aren't hunting insects. I mean, they'll eat an insect if they can, but their mouth is made to kind of graze. So they'll go around and that mouth will kind of pick up detritus, kind of scrape off algae, off however you say the off swatch. And someone told me, oh, Someone in, in a comment, someone like told me how to say that word, but that biofilm, um, I totally forgot how to say it right though. I knew I would. Um, so swordtails, platys, guppies, you know, that kind of stuff, put some veggies in the diet. It really helps them. In fact, I think a lot of times there's too much protein in the food we're feeding our live bearers. And um, I think they live longer and tend to be healthier with a lot of veggie in the diet. Uh, one trick to do that is if you make rapashi, say community blend or whatever, cut in some Soylent Green. Rapashi makes a Soylent Green product that has a ton of veggies in it and you'll be able to offer your fish veggies really easily that way. Um, and as you know, Lumpy, there's also like blanched zucchini and all, all kinds of stuff, green beans, all kinds of stuff you can use. But yeah, I think that swordtails and other live bears need a lot of vegetable matter in their diet. It's just what they eat, uh, what they've adapted to. Yeah. Kaylee's Aquatics. I have exotic aquarium fishes by Dr. Inns. Ines, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, the original, right? Kind of the original aquarium book. Not the first that was ever written or anything, but the, the first that was really popularized and had wide distribution. Um, I could be wrong on that. I'm not a fish book expert, but yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an oldie, but goodie. <laughs> and I, I think if I remember right, the thing that always gets me is there's a picture of a blue Galeris in it and they call it uh, Aphiosimian, uh, not Caliurum, but something that starts with a C and like golden pheasant or something. It's just so misidentified. <laughs> but back then, killifish and a lot of fish, we still didn't understand very well. So yeah. Dan Slee, the hatchets look amazing, by the way. Even if they aren't staying up top, they fit that tank very well. Yeah, I'm really happy with them. Um, they've, they're 
doing great. Hatchets sometimes can be delicate, but this group has been amazing. So I figured ignore the glare right there. Let me see if I can block it. Here, I'll block it with my bald head. Now there's more glare. <laughs> if I could take that glare away, yeah, they're, I love them in that tank. So thanks. I'm glad you like them too. By the way, anyone that wants some hatchet fish, these exact ones are for sale on getgills.com. Uh, I don't remember the price, like six, seven bucks. And they're not shaky. They're not fresh imports. They've, you know, they're doing great. So just to throw that out there uh, as a little commercial, I guess. Um, Kelly's Aquatics. <laughs> Kathy Bates would be more entertaining. Yes. <laughs> I hear you. Real stinks. Oh, no. My angelfish fry have swirling sickness. Any ideas on what's going on and how to treat? Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Almost always, I would go back to water quality. Is Are there so many fish in there that there's just been a buildup of ammonia or nitride or other stuff? That's, that's what I would almost always go back to. So that would be my first thing, uh, Real, is check that see if the water tests clean if the parameters look good um, even if they do maybe upping the water change regime a little bit or if you can move some fry to another tank so there's not as much bio load in that tank um, i'm not exactly sure what always causes that but that would be my first thing to look at because they're not an import. They're not from a store. They're fish you bred yourself. And so it's it's a lot less likely that it's a disease or something because you bred them. They didn't go through a wholesaler's tanks. They haven't gone through a pet store's tanks. They haven't gone through the stress of being collected and farmed and shipped out and, and all that stuff that happens uh, when fish are brought into this country. So um, my first thought would be water quality um, checking that and getting that perfect. And that can happen, by the way. I've, I've had that happen, not necessarily to angelfish, but if you get a group of fry and you're raising them up, everything's great. And there's a ton of fish in the tank. Everything's great. And then there's this tipping point where now that they've grown, the biomass is just too much for that tank or too much for how we're keeping that tank. And I've seen that happen in my own tanks in the past raising a large group of fry, everything's great, everything's great. And then suddenly a tipping point where it was like, oh, things are not great now. So that's my thought real. Um, my understanding is that swirling disease is, is some kind of neurological thing. Um, again, not a fish veterinarian, but that's my understanding. But what causes that in the first place could be lots of different things. So it's a symptom, not necessarily a diagnosis. And uh, water quality is what what I would look at. I'm sorry if that's not super helpful, but that's where I would start. Um, Steve Innes. Yeah. One of my first fish books, I bought same name as my uncle, but not related. All right. Well, if it was, you'd have some serious bragging rights, but <laughs> Skipper's Aquariums, you weren't the only one that had problems with the quarry. So did Flip Aquatics. I didn't see that video, but I saw that the video's up there and I can't wait to look at it. Um, I wonder if he uses the same supplier as I do. I'm going to have to check his video and see if there's any clues in there. I can usually tell, like when Michael's Fish Room did his Guppy and Pleco unboxing, 
because um, now he has a wholesale account and stuff. I can tell by the box, by the packaging, um, by the color of the water in the bags, all that stuff. I usually can be like, oh, I know who that supplier is. I, I'm not going to tell. I mean, it's his, if he doesn't want folks to know I'm not, and he doesn't, then I'm not going to, you know, spill the beans. But um, I can usually watch an unboxing and be like, yep, I know where those came from. So I'm going to look and see if it's the same supplier, but yep, it's a shame because they're an awesome fish. And, and that, that sometimes happens. If a group of fish goes through a transshipper's tanks or a holding facility or a wholesaler and there's something in there and they pick it up, then everyone that that distributor sends it to is going to have uh, an issue, right? It's, it's just the part of our hobby that we do wrong. It's, I'm going to, sorry, it's going to be a little short rant. I won't go forever, but this is one of the parts of the hobby that just frustrates me to no end is, um, it, and why I believe it's necessary to, uh, for someone like me who's going to sell fish to really take the time to medicate fish and get them healthy as much as possible. I, I'm not a hundred percent, um, but I don't ever knowingly sell a fish that has any sign of illness or anything like that. So it's just part of the hobby that frustrates me is the, okay, I'm going to get this fish and sell it as quick as I can to the next person. So it doesn't die on me. So I don't lose money. Right. And I feel like that's where we're at in the entire cycle of this industry from, um, the, the whole thing from exporters that kind of amalgamate from different collectors and then send them transshippers and then wholesalers and then pet stores and all that. It's, it's, I don't know if it's completely avoidable stuff's going to happen, but we could do such a better job and I wish we would. Um, anyway, I'm sorry, Rob had that problem too. Deborah McLean, which Achilles would thrive at a pH of 7.5? Pretty much all of them that I can think of. There are a few species that might be more difficult to breed at that pH, some of the diapterons and some others, but you could keep almost all of them in, in that pH. And any commonly available killifish is likely to be able to breed easily at that pH. So it's very rare. I can't think of a single killifish that has to be kept in acidic water to thrive. I can think of some that are harder to get fertile, viable eggs um, in, a, in, in hard water. It's not even necessarily the pH so much as the hardness, but pH and hardness generally kind of correlate a little bit. Um, but what I would recommend, um, just thinking of the ones that I have, any of the killifish that I have for sale at dancefish.com would do great in that pH. The aphysimian uh, caliurums would be awesome any of the lamp eyes, any of the epiplates and stuff, they would all do great. So yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. Got in a whole bunch of clown killies too, finally. So hopefully you'll have some of those for sale in the next couple of weeks if, if everything goes well. So Deborah, um, are, are there any killifish you're thinking of? If you let me know a few that you're thinking of, then I can talk to you uh, a little bit in detail about them or tell you, oh wait, that one is, is harder. But again, if it's fairly commonly available, it's probably going to do okay in a higher pH and more alkaline water. Michael Wilson, off work, slow channel, you're German. Oh, for the off swatch. Yeah. 
off walks. Okay, off walks. There you go. It's not off swatch, which is how I always say it. Off walks. So that's the biofilm that grows on rocks and logs and stuff that lots of fish pick at. They also pick at detritus, free-floating gunk, um, the live bears, and then like all the stiffidon gobies and uh, the hillstream loaches and stuff, it's off walks. Okay, good. Thanks for correcting me, Michael. I'm going to forget again. Anytime I do, feel free to remind me off walks and I'll eventually get it. <laughs> Mummy dog, my killifish are doing great. This is for Deborah at 7.5 pH. This killie is from Dan's fish. Cool. Yep. It was the uh, Procatopus uh, barons, I believe, that Lumpy dog got. Oh, wait. It's not highlighted, but I see from Michael Wilson. The first generation cauliflower sword offspring from last July are mating. Cool. And at least one female is gravid. It will be a long slog. Yep. It is going to be a long slog, but I'm glad to hear that. At least you got one. I hope that we can finally get those breeding and, and figure out how to make those a more viable fish uh, here in the United States. Because, I mean, right now I'm just bringing them in from China because it's really the only place that has them available in any number that, that I can get them from anyway. But um, it's not ideal because I don't know if hormones are being used. I, I mean... I'm fairly certain hormones are being used. They they use hormones for a lot of things in lots of parts of the, the world with aquarium fish. But um, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, I know you're having luck. I know that there's a few folks that I've sold uh, to that are also having luck. And so it can be done, but I think it's going to be a while before a really viable, simple to breed hyphen kind of cauliflower sword tail red eye red swordtail strain is established in the United States, at least that I know of. So good on you, Michael Wilson. Keep at it. And uh, man, I hope you're successful long term and we can eventually have that fish available regularly from folks within the United States. That would be awesome. 76 watching. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. But still, that's more than we usually get. So glad you're all here. Robert P. Damn. Dan, I think. What did I miss? Congrats on Super Chats. Um, just Mikey and Bob going and having a, one of their uh, legendary uh, battles, I think is what it is. <laughs> it's worth rewatching. It's always worth watching when those two go at it. Um, so, but I kind of talked about some cool fish I got in that are on my bucket list. Here's one of them. Just real briefly, I won't go in detail because folks have already seen this, uh, but these samurai garamis, I've been wanting them for ever. Finally got some in, real excited about them and talked quite a bit about them. So that's earlier too. So there's some cool stuff, Robert P. that's uh, on the replay that you can catch. Michael Wilson, oh wait, already read that one. Oh, because I see what you did, Michael. You retyped it to highlight. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I think we've reached the bottom of the chat here with Cheshire Cat. How does nitrates in tap water affect the aquarium, particularly when nitrogen cycling? I have 20 ppm from the faucet. So that's perfect if you have like plants. Plants need some nitrate. Um, so if we're talking nitrates, nitrates are, I mean, they're a toxin, but they're a lot less toxic than ammonia and nitrite. So 
they will affect your fish if they get into high concentrations. There are a few species of fish that it's thought that are quite sensitive to nitrates. Um, discus keepers are frequently wanting to get to pretty much zero nitrates. Um, I don't know if that's because discus keepers are fanatics in overkill somewhat, or if that's actually true, but um, there are some species that are thought might be sensitive to nitrates even at low doses. But most fish, 20 ppm nitrates, they're gonna be fine. Um, and if you have plants, then that sounds awesome for the plants. So how will it affect the nitrogen cycle? I don't think it'll affect it very much. The, it's, you still have to go grow the bacteria that eat the ammonia and convert it, oxidize it into nitrite. And then you still have to grow the bacteria, whether it's different or whatever we think it's different, um, that eat the nitrites and convert it to nitrates. Uh, once you've hit nitrates, the only way commonly in a freshwater aquarium to get rid of it is just through water changes in plants. So it's not gonna affect how your aquarium cycles so much, but you do just wanna keep an eye on it and, and not get too many, but 20 is fine. You can have more than 20 without problems for most fish. In fact, is there anyone in here that, um, I don't keep a lot of track of nitrates just because I don't have plants. Uh, I would say 20 to 40 would be just fine. But if someone in here knows that 40 is too high, uh, correct me so I don't steer Cheshire Cat wrong. Um, so hope that answered your question. I, I don't think, it doesn't sound like it's an issue at all. Tech Turtle, I have some fries I'm sitting on. Cool. Post on Facebook and still not sold. I might have to look into shipping. Any tips? I already have a website. I'm slowly working on. So my best tips are all in, in some videos I've made. Um, I'm sure one of the mods will link it, but there's a video I made, or you can search the channel later about how to ship fish. It goes over my entire process. Um, I'm not saying it's the only way to do it, but I will say I've, I'm not bragging here. Honestly, I haven't seen anyone that does it better. So I, I think it's a good method to at least see and get familiar with whether you decide to use it or not, uh, it might be good to be aware of it. So that's on the YouTube channel. I have a couple other videos on there. One uh, talks about all the different equipment and supplies I use when I ship fish and I tell you where I get them from. So that might be helpful if there's stuff that you can't get a hold of easily or don't know where to get a hold of it. Um, and then there's a couple others where I just about shipping fish in general or catching fish for shipping and stuff like that. But those two, how to ship fish and then supplies and uh, resources, I think, um, are the two that, that I would start with. Uh, and yeah, if you have any questions about it, like as you get into it, uh, please feel free to email me, Dan at Dan's Fish. I'm happy to, uh, to help you like if you have a specific question as you start researching. But start with those videos. Um, I, I, I think that they're going to be quite useful. Also, uh, are you in Canada, Tech Turtle? If anyone's in Canada or the UK, Europe in general, and I think there's 43 countries now that Get Gills can function in. So um, if you're not in the United States, you can still use Get Gills. Um, we've been able to expand that. In fact, let's take a look here just real quick um, at the countries that we can sell to. So if I go to my store, 
quick new shipping methods. These are all the countries that can use GetGills. So United States, Australia, and on and on and on. So if you are one of these countries or you live in one of these countries, then um, feel free to list on this website and help us get established wherever you are. Let's see here. And that was prompted by Tech Turtle saying, even though, uh, even thought about get gills, but want to learn how to ship before I get on there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I, I, yeah, again, those videos start there. I think that'll be helpful. And if you are in Canada, I can't remember, for some reason I'm thinking you're in Canada, you should be able to use get gills, even if you're up there. Let's see your lumpy dog, Cheshire cat, doesn't really impact cycling. The 20 PPM of nitrates would be great for planet tank. Okay, cool. Sounds like other people are on the same. Oh, Tina, algae gets out of control. So this is true. Okay. So if you have 20 PPM nitrates and you don't have plants in your tank to utilize those nitrates, then you're going to have algae. That's true. One thing I find works really well to combat algae is water sprite or another super fast growing plant. Once that water sprite gets established, it sucks up nitrates so efficiently that it, it outcompetes a lot of algae. You're still going to get a little bit, but it, in my experience, kind of helps mitigate the problem quite a bit for most tanks, for most systems. That being said, almost all my tanks are pretty clear. And I, I contribute that a lot to the water sprite. But I have a couple that I've got like that floating green algae in, and I've got water sprite in there and it's a battle. It's a battle to see which one's going to win. But yes, that's absolutely true. I didn't think about that. Um, if you don't have other plants in there that are fast growing to use the nitrates, algae's going to use it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, chat jumped on me. I'm finding it. I'm back. Hang on. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. 60 watching. Don't leave while I'm looking. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Bob Kaler, thank you for mentioning the videos. Let's see if we can get them linked. There, there they are. Okay, so they, they've been linked for you. Um, Tech Turtle. Cheshire Cat, and oh my goodness, I've been looking for clown killies. They seem to be rather hard to get and often are sold out. Yep. Well, I've got some. Um, so far, I've had them for about a week, maybe a little over a week. Moved them to out of the first part of quarantine and into a 75-gallon. They seem to be doing really well. They're eating. They're getting fatter. No pinched caudal fins, which is a sign on those guys that you got to fix something quick. Um, and they can be challenging for wholesalers and retail stores because they're just so little itty bitty fish. Once they go through that whole process, if you don't treat them with real care right up front, when you first get them, uh, they, you can have real problems with them. And I think that's why they're sometimes hard to find or they're sold out because they might be sold out or they might've just all died because of what they went through. Timo McIntosh. Hey, from California. My Melanotania Sungur in the tank. Cool. This AM are already colorful and happy. Four-year-old daughter says, thanks for the beautiful fish. Well, you're welcome. Um, I have to say, you got a heck of a deal on those. <laughs> I hope you really enjoy them. And 
I need to make another video with those. The, the video I have, the white balance is off. They just look like gray fish in the quarantine tank. And I've been meaning for a long time to get a video of them now that they're in a different tank and are colored and stuff. But I hope you like them. They're really unique looking Melanotania, their color scheme with that anal fin and the white margins on the unpaired fins and stuff. I just think they're one of the most unique looking ones out there. You see a sun guru and you know it's a sun guru and it's it's pretty distinct. A lot of rainbow fish you look at and it's like a lot of them look very, very similar, but sun guru is a distinct one. But I'm glad you like them. Glad you got them. Hope they do well for you long term. And thanks for letting me know. Tech Turtle is in the USA. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I thought that. Tech Turtle, how does get gills actually work? Um, well, oh, at the risk of, okay, this is going to be super quick. I'm going to show you. So here's get gills. I'm going to sign out. Um, hang on. Okay. So you're coming to get gills for the first time. This is what you're going to see. Get started. You fill this out and that creates an account for you. Once you've created an account, then there'll be an option up here to create a store, okay? So I'm gonna log in and create a store. Hang on, let me do my login here and, and show you real quick what a store is. I'm not gonna create one, but I'll show you mine. Um, hang on, almost done. I bet I'm going to go back. There's going to be like 30 people left. <laughs> okay. So once you've done that, then you can create your store. You click on the create store button and you go to this. So you fill out your store name, your email. Um, if you have a logo or a picture you want associated, put that in there. Describe your store, where you're at, your policies for shipping and guarantees and all that. So enter all that stuff. Click save, then go here. You can create your shipping methods. These are the ways I ship. I ship express and priority, large, medium, small on each. This is how much each box costs, each box costs to ship. Okay, so, so put your shipping methods in. Then make groups. Um, if, if you have several different kinds of fish that you want to ship several different ways, you can create a group. So you can call this group um, tech turtle example group. Um, I'm not going to do free shipping on this. If I did, I would put a 50 in here and then any order over 50 bucks would qualify for sh free shipping. And let's say that the tech turtle group, I just want to ship priority small. Okay. Now I've created this group almost. Oh, sorry. I have to put the zero back. So now here's the tech turtle shipping group. So I have three groups, free shipping on orders of $100 or more, which isn't live yet. Um, still getting that ready. Regular shipping in the Tech Turtle group. Okay. So we did that. Now I go back to my store and set up my Stripe account. So if you click on this, it'll take you to Stripe. You fill out a one-page form. It's really easy. It takes a couple minutes. And once you've done that, that'll link to your bank account. And anytime someone on GetGills buys one of your fish or plants or whatever you're selling, um, the money will automatically get collected by Stripe and then get put right into your bank account. 
So you don't have to follow up with a PayPal invoice or, or email to collect the money or anything like that. So get your Stripe set up and then go to your products. Here are my products. If you want to make a new product, click new product, call it whatever. Tech Turtle example, common name, scientific name, um, whatever your description is, your price. If it's on sale, put a sale price and then people can buy it for $5 instead of $10, say. Um, oh, stock level, how many do you have? Let's say you have 10 of these, the category whatever it is, uh, this we'll call it an air breather and go to next. Now you can put in, you can load images and videos. This is where the groups come into play. So I have three ways that I can ship. Um, let's say I want to ship the tech turtle way. So I would add that. That's how this ships. This is really important. This is box capacity. So how many of these items can fit in each box? Let's say I can fit two of them in a small box, four of them in a medium box, and six of them in a large box. What that does is that tells the system when someone orders from you how full the box is so that your customer knows if they can add more to the box or not because it sucks to pay for shipping and get a half empty box when you could have got the box full. Okay, then you post the item and now it's here for sale. So this is the Tech Turtle item for sale. So that's just a real brief intro. On the site, there's a few spots where there's some videos and stuff. Um, let, me, let me delete this before anyone that's actually using the site tries to buy this, <laughs> the Tech Turtle example item. Um, but basically you create account, create a store, shipping methods, groups of how you want to ship different fish, then um, get Stripe linked up and then add your stuff to the site for sale. I'm happy once you get into it, if you run into a snag to walk you through it, I can uh, do a, a Google Hangout video with you or whatever. Uh, you can show me the problem. I can fix it right there for you. Happy to help you out, Tech Turtle, once you're ready to pull the trigger. 60 watching. Oh man, I was worried that doing that might, <laughs> might get us down a little bit. But Tech Turtle, that's that's the brief answer to your questions about that shipping and how to use GetGills. Eric Fab, as in fabulous. I'm a young teen and breeding killifish. Good for you. That's awesome. How often do you pick eggs? Some people pick every day so they don't develop too much and some people pick once a week. What do you prefer? I'm breeding a few species. So, okay, I'm gonna assume that you wanna get a lot of eggs. So I'm gonna tell you how to do, how there's so many ways to do it. Okay, real quick, easiest way, heavily planted tank, non-annual, semi-annual killifish, um, just feed them real good, squirt in some baby brine shrimp, throw in some microworm, something like that every day, even crush up some flake food. And eventually a few fry will appear and you'll get a little colony going. That's the easiest way to do it. Second easiest way, these you don't even have to pick eggs this way, is put the killies in a tank, leave them in there for a couple weeks, take them out, and then the fry will appear. 
because the parents won't be there to eat them. Those are the ways to do without picking eggs. There's other ways too, but let's stop there and go to picking eggs. If you want a good yield, what I would do is separate the sexes. First of all, if you can, don't buy just one pair. Buy like three to five pairs. If you have one pair, great, work with that. But if you can get a few more pairs, that'll help. Separate the sexes for, I don't know, a week or so. And then put, get a, a small aquarium or even like a little plastic container with a lid. Lids are important with killifish because they jump. Put in your spawning medium, which is usually a mop and made out of acrylic yarn, um, which sounds like you know about. Put that in there. Put the pair in there. Put them in there like in the evening. Let them be in there until the next evening. And then check the mop should be full of eggs. Pick those, put them in your container to incubate, leave the pair in there one more cycle, pick the eggs. What you'll notice is after on the second day and probably third day, you get a lot less yield. So at that point, you remove the, the pair back to their normal aquarium. That separation and letting the female kind of get full of eggs really helps because if you don't do that, and then your killifish are pretty much going to lay a couple eggs a day. And then, which is fine. And some species will lay more. Like Fundalopanchax gardener, I go through periods where even if you don't separate them, they're going to lay like 10 to 20 eggs per female per day, easy. But sometimes more. But if you separate them, you'll get a lot more yield at once. And that's helpful because then you can raise a big batch at once instead of only raising like three to five fry at a time, which kind of is a pain. So that's what I would suggest. So it's less a question of how often do you pick them than conditioning the parents, putting them together, and then you'll have a day or two where you get a lot of yield all at once and can raise a good batch. Now here's the other trick to that. Um, even if they're not an annual species, you can use some damp peat moss and you can pick eggs every day from the mop. You can do that for a week leave them on the damp peat moss. And what that does is those eggs won't hatch until you submerge that moss in water. So you can have a weak difference in the age of the eggs and just wait till they're all eyed up and then, then wet them, which is what we call it when we add water to the container to hatch them. And um, you'll get a week's worth of eggs to hatch all at once. So that's another trick for getting a good yield, um, another way to do it. So hope that helps Eric Fab. I'm stoked that you're into killifish. I love them. They're my all-time favorite group of fish. And if there's only ever one kind of fish I could keep ever again in the rest of my life, it would be killifish. Reels tanks, pH 6.0, everything else is zero. Okay, so these are the parameters in Reels tanks where his angelfish fry are having whirling disease. Both both the nitrite and nitrates uh, seem to be at zero, I think you're saying real. Well, yeah, then it's not. Probably that. That being said, I do feel like if we get, I feel like even if it's not ammonia and nitrite, there can be other things that we don't test for, um, even potassium, um, other things that come from the food and stuff that aren't necessarily toxins we test for and maybe aren't necessarily toxic, 
until they get to really high levels. And sometimes if we have a lot of fish in one tank, we can get to those levels and never know it because it's not stuff that we can test for or even aware of. And in real, I'm just guessing here. Um, I really don't know, tell you the truth. Water parameters seems like ammonia and nitrite are good. So maybe it's not the water parameters. Maybe they got something. I really don't know. I wish I could help you more. Um, all I know is it's don't know. No, all I'm guessing is that it's a neurological issue. Um, but I couldn't pinpoint what's causing it. Usually when I see stress fry, I mean, I just immediately test the water and almost always I'll find something wrong. I'll find that I'm going through an ammonia spike or something, but it doesn't appear to be the case with you. So I don't, I don't have a good suggestion. I'm sorry. I wish I, I wish I could help you more. Tech Turtle, I have no idea why I should charge for shipping and fish, etc. Um, what I would do is look at what other people are charging. That'll give you a starting point to know what methods they use. What do they have to charge? That might be something to get you started. You can also look at UPS, FedEx, and USPS and look at their different methods and kind of play around with... Uh, most of those companies, I think all the companies, you can do estimates on how much it would cost to send a box this size, approximately this way to this location. So you can kind of test that and get a feel for it. Decide which carrier you want to use and then, and then just start. And after you do it for a few times, you might find, hey, it actually costs less than I thought, so I can charge less. Or, oh, this costs a lot more than I thought, I need to charge more. For me, um, my prices are up there on get gills for you to see, um, start at 15 bucks and go up to 50 bucks, pretty much 49 in winter. I ship express. I almost always lose money on any shipment I do in the winter, because even if I charge 45 bucks to ship overnight or next day via express, it will often cost me 50, 60 bucks or more. Sometimes it costs me up to 80 bucks to ship. Um, one of my boxes express, not often, but occasionally. And so in the winter, I lose a little bit of money on shipping in the summer. It costs me slightly less to ship in general than I'm charging. I mean, once you, the heat pack, the styro liner, the bags, the ox, all that stuff, once you factor that in, it's very minimal, but in the summer I tend to, it's the opposite. So it's, and it's very slight. I'm not saying, a, <laughs> I'm not asking people to pay tons over what it costs, but that's kind of what I've found. Winter shipping, it costs me a little bit. Summer shipping, I, I make a little bit. So you kind of just have to go through it a few times to figure out what your actual costs are and adjust accordingly. But I think checking what other people do is, is a good place to start. 62 watching. Hey, we still got it. Not too bad. We aren't down to the 30s, so we'll take it. Real, could it be something that came in my water? Anything that could uh, mess with the nervous system. Heavy metals in your water could do that. Um, it could be, yes. And, you know, every year, spring and, and winter, when, when seasons change, we do see changes in our tap water frequently, too. So is it possible? Yes. Um, but many other things are possible too. So Dwayne Timberlake, um, it didn't highlight, but I happen to see it here. I did what you said and buffered my tank with crushed coral. Good. It raised the pH to around 7.6. Good. 
Thanks for the advice. 5.0 is tough on my fish with water changes. Hey, I'm glad it worked for you. I've started messing with that a little bit more and in my uh, box filters, putting a little, putting crushed coral in there instead of like marbles to weigh it down on species that like hard water. And I haven't seen a huge, huge difference, just my water volume and the, um, the, the sheer amount of water change I do, I think keeps it from buffering a ton, but at least it's putting some calcium in the water. So, but I'm glad Dwayne that that worked for you. Tech Turtle, I have some blue tech platies breeding like crazy. Congrats. That's awesome. Platies are always fun. In fact, sometimes it's nice just to go back to basics and be like, man, I tried all these rare fish. It was tough. I'm going to get some platies because they're going to be great. They're going to breed. They're going to be happy. They aren't aggressive. I'm just going to do something easy and fun for a little while. <laughs> Cheshire Cat. Okay, thank you. That's essentially what I got from Googling, but wanted other opinions. Okay. I have pothos and other plants, algae only on floating plants, very close to light. Yeah. Okay. Sounds pretty normal. Um, <laughs> Lumpy dog. Dan's password is hello kitty for life. No, it's hello kitty forever. Even after life. Lumpy dog. Do the stock levels adjust automatically when fish sell? Yes. On getgills.com your stock levels will adjust. So if you put in a dozen fish and someone buys two, it'll automatically discount that or deduct that and 10 will be available for the next person that looks. Yes, that was important to me. I, I hated having to manually change that on other sites I was using. That's one reason I, I built Get Gills or me and my partner put it together. He really built it. Jonathan did the programming, <laughs> but that was one of the things we knew we wanted. So yep, automatically deducts inventory. Tech Turtle, like Lumpy Dog asked, do stock levels auto-adjust? Yep. Kaylee's Aquatics, want, oh, cool. <laughs> I love how you worded this. Want to reenact Dan's wet shirt, t-shirt scene from his recent video? Here you go. <laughs> yes, I did a wet t-shirt contest accidentally. I, uh, I was doing this video on, my, on fixing my fluval canister filter because it was being really loud and I was finding the problem and fixing it. And uh, when I disconnected the hose, I disconnected the wrong hose. I disconnected the intake instead of the outflow. And there was pressure in there and it just went all over me. So, <laughs> so you too can do that in a Dan's Fish t-shirt if you want to go buy one. Tech Turtle, what happens to the store if I run out of fish or plants? Does it expire at some point in time? No, I'll show you exactly what happens. So your store doesn't expire. But here you go, you can search all the stores. You click this button up here, it takes you to the stores. The stores at the top all have products active for sale. They're in alphabetical order and all these stores have products for sale. Once we get down here, then stores that don't have products for sale start showing up again in alphabetical order. So your store doesn't go away, it just drops down to the bottom uh, since you don't have stuff available for people to buy. So if people are browsing, they they see what's actually available. So nope, it doesn't expire or anything. You can delete your store if you want at some point. Um, hope you would never want to do that, but you can delete your store. But if you don't purposely delete your store, when you run out of stuff, it just drops down the list. 
All right, Cheshire Cat. So my dilemma right now is ordering a bunch of fish at once to make the most of shipping costs. I'm concerned about freaking out the tank system. So here's how you do that. Um, every fish store and importer and stuff, this is how they do that. So you're not going to freak out your system if you don't suddenly feed more. If you're not putting in, a, you know, the waste comes from the food that's consumed. There's other waste, like just breathing creates a little bit of waste and stuff like that. But, but that's negligible. In general, it comes from you feed the fish, the fish poop. You have bio load issues, right? So what you do is when you get the new fish in there, you, for the first two days or so, sorry, my throat's getting dry. Just a second. Even though you increase the amount of fish in the tank, you do not increase the amount of food for the first couple of days. After a couple of days, and when you've noticed that everyone's kind of settled in, which means they're going to be eating actively and stuff, then you feed a little more and you do that for a couple of days, a couple, three days. Then you feed a little more and you just gradually increase the amount of food you're feeding so that you're bacteria population can grow to adjust. So it takes about 24 hours or so for the population of nitrifying bacteria in your aquarium to double, okay? So as long as you're doing this gradually, you shouldn't have too much of a problem. What you might find is you need to do water changes a little more frequently because your nitrates, are, you're producing more nitrates and things like that, um, but just gradually increase the amount of food and you'll be fine. And by the way, fish love to eat and you could feed them 10 times a day and they would eat 10 times a day and still beg for food, right? But they're a cold blooded animal that does not require nearly as much food as they usually get in the aquarium. So please don't worry or feel like you're a horrible person if you're not feeding tons of food to your new fish. It's almost always better to do that gradually not just to bump the tank, but because the fish themselves need to adjust to the tank and to what you feed and stuff. And so if you feed a bunch at once, they're likely to not eat a lot of it and it go to waste. So gradual's always better, I think, when you're getting new fish. All right, 56 watching. Oh, we're falling. That's okay, we have a couple more questions. Tech Turtle and Kaler, um, cool, I, Trinity. I'll get those and then we'll probably shut this sucker down because we've been going for a while, an hour and 42 minutes. All right. And I haven't eaten dinner yet. And let's do this. Tech Turtle, thanks. It cares aquatics. You might see me on there soon. Cool. Dance fishing cares aquatics. I want to try shipping a few times first. Dan, would you be willing to be my test? Yes, I'm happy to do that. Um, if you just pack a box like you would normally pack with fish, you don't even have to put the fish in it. You can just seal the bags up and everything like you were shipping fish. Send it to me. Um, when it gets to me, I will do an unboxing video for your eyes only, unless you want me to share it, then I'll share it with other people too. But I can do an unboxing video, temperature, see if there were any leaks, all that stuff. Give any suggestions I might have. And uh, I'm happy to do that. So if you want to send fish, you can, because then there's that extra layer of did the fish make it. Um, but if it's your very first time or two, just knowing if you sealed the bags right and if stuff's 
okay kind of mechanically instead of biologically can be helpful too. So I'm willing to do that. Before you do that, do your box, get it all ready and just put it in a shady spot in your house where it doesn't get direct sunlight for a couple days and then check it. Did it leak or the bags uh, fully deflated? Things like that. Or throw it in your car, drive around for a couple days, then check it. Um, once you know that, okay, stuff isn't leaking, I at least have that right, then it's probably time to do a test box. And I'm happy to do that. And uh, priority's fine. Don't feel like you have to send that express. Priority will be fine for that test. Kaylee's Aquatic Sea Trinity Tanks question above. Okay, here's the last one. Trinity's Tanks, what do you think about using wood you find yourself? My friend regularly uses oak pieces. Yeah, he finds in the mountains and he gave me some, but I'm skeptical about using it. What do you think? I think it's totally fine if it's aged. So I use wood all the time that I find or from my backyard or whatever. It just needs to be aged really well. So it needs to be dead for a long time. So it's completely dried out. There's no like sap and stuff in it. So oak would be perfectly fine. A lot of hardwood trees would be perfectly fine. Some conifers and softwood trees can be fine after a super long time. But in general, I stay away from uh, any kind of conifers, pines and firs and, and stuff like that, just because of, of the sap content. You know, they have so much sap in them and stuff. Um, and so I don't want that in my aquariums. But that being said, you can get to the point where that stuff has been aged so long that you could even use that. Um, I know folks that do it all the time, go up in the mountains and grab that stuff. So I'm totally fine with it. Here's my suggestion. Before you put it in your aquarium, um, put it in another a vat of water, a plastic, big plastic tub of water, something, and just leave it in there for a long time until it sinks. Just soak it in there until it sinks. That'll leach out a lot of the like, color changing properties of it so it doesn't turn your water dark. Um, any toxins it might have are likely to be leached out or at least dissipated that way. And what I do is I actually do that in my scud tanks. So I'll take a piece of what I'm planning on using for my fish. I'll put it in with the scuds until it sinks. If it kills my scuds, that's like the canary in the coal mine. I know I can't use that piece on my fish. Um, it, it, that, I haven't had that happen yet. Usually what happens is the scuds get real excited and eat on it and they're gonna eat any like decaying bits and any soft bits and all that and kind of help treat that wood so that once it goes in your tank, all that stuff's been eaten off and it's pretty much just wood that you have left. So those are my thoughts on that. Um, hope that's helpful, Trinity's Tanks. Tech Turtle, thanks a ton. Very helpful. You'll probably be hearing from me soon. Great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm setting up a tank for my sis-in-laws and I'm going to ship them to her house, but that's still the same state. Good. It's a good, good test though. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, all the super chatters. Thank you. Um, especially Bob Kaler and Mikey Trevor. Um, really appreciate that. And everyone else has super chatted, but wow. Uh, I can't wait to tell Brenda, my wife, about how that went tonight. Um, all the mods that do so much work for us, thank you so much. Candy, I'm thrilled that you were able to be here again. Thanks for doing that. 
And I, I'm my best to you and Caleb and your family. Um, hope he recovers soon from his treatment. I know that can be super rough on him. Uh, anyone that answered other folks' questions and helped in the chat, thanks for doing that. And all you lurkers, I feel ya. Anyway, until next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, I'm out of here. Thanks so much. See you then. Bye-bye.